really, it's, it's great. We have a, a really wonderful crowd out here with us this morning and also uh, the people who join us regularly online from across the city and uh, who knows the country, maybe the world, I don't know, but uh, wherever you are, maybe we have an international ministry, I don't know. If so, it's exciting, but uh, we don't know. But uh, if, you are, if you are joining us online and you, know, you've, you see Cornerstone as your church, then please uh, reach out because it would be great to know who you are so you can just send me a message. On, uh, you can find all that information on nogrowshow.ca, our website, that's nogrowshow.ca. And I'd like to say uh, welcome to um, any visitors and any guests that we have uh, if, if it's your first time uh, here at Cornerstone. Our scripture today is from Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight from Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to a woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This week we're looking at what it looks like on the other side of the door, what looking, what living in the kingdom of Jesus is like. And it's not all sunshine and roses and green traffic lights and high-speed internet. And Simon says, as we see in our passage today, kingdom living can be anything but straightforward. Uh, Living for Jesus usually involves a lot of false trails, maybe dead ends and frustrations, a bit like the game of hot and cold. So let's look at our passage. Paul, Acts 16.6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, so they pressed by, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Okay, if first century global missions was a game of hot and cold, then Paul and his companions in this moment are in Antarctica. They are freezing in Troas. They aren't even in, in the right building, the right neighborhood, let alone the right room. And on this map, we can see them as they bounce around 
here in Asia Minor. And notice the language which is used. It says that they are kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching, and the Holy Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. This is Jesus shouting down to Paul and his friends, you're cold, you're very, very cold. Now, we don't know how the Spirit was stopping them, um, but it was clear to them that it was. Now, one thing that I want to be clear is that when the, when the Holy Spirit, or when God, uh, you know, when God, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, tells you that you're cold, this isn't necessarily a value judgment. He's not reprimanding you. It simply means that you're not where he wants you, perhaps vocationally or geographically or spiritually or emotionally. Being stopped by the Holy Spirit isn't a punishment. He simply wants to lead you where he needs you, uh, which means that you need to be listening to him. And these cold seasons in our life can be very frustrating because our default uh, mode as, 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 as humans is simply to stay in the cold zone and to make the best of it there. It takes a lot of effort and energy to change our home or our job or our plans or our money usage in obedience to the Holy Spirit. So I wonder what circumstances in your life right now might the Holy Spirit be saying to you, precious son or daughter, you're cold. And if you're hearing cold, if you're sensing the Spirit stopping or uh, preventing you from moving forwards, might that mean that he wants you to move to the warmer area of what he's actually called you to do? to try something new. So let's hear how God redirects Paul towards hot. Uh, verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, so Dan... If I'm hearing you right, then to leave Antarctica, you know, this cold place of where God doesn't want us, I need to have a vision from God in my dreams. Well, maybe, you know, God is able to do that. And there are tons of recorded events where God did speak to people in their dreams. But usually, at least in my experience, and for many of us here, a vision does not primarily show up in my dreams to tell me what we're supposed to do next. So leaving the dream aside, what else is it we see in verse 9 and 10 that might be helpful to us um, in trying to decide what God wants us to do from moving to, from cold to hot? Well, we see here that Paul is, uh, yeah, here, that, that Paul is affected emotionally by, by a burden that God has given him. It's there's this man who's standing and pleading. And this grabs Paul's heart. God has blessed Paul with a burden. So we don't necessarily need to have a vision, but when we have a burden from God, when something maybe pricks our interest or grabs our heart, could that be God leading us? Okay, so Macedonia um, is over 
here, this is Macedonia, uh, here, uh, yeah, here, yeah, and this is where Paul is right now. And so what that means is that when God gives you a burden for a people group or a mission field or a situation or even a colleague at work or someone who's in the local nursery co-op, often it's not a convenient thing. We somehow think that, you know, back in the day, well, they had nothing to do. So if God called them on a mission trip for five months, then so be it. Because what else did they have to do? No, Paul had a full-time job. He had local family connections. He had all of these things, and God still called him. And as soon as he heard it, because it, because it was from God, he up and left. But it's not, a it's not a convenient thing. Just think of Southgate helping the Ukrainian refugees come to Canada. Is it a convenient thing to do that? Of course it's not. But Stephanie and Rashinda and Ben and uh, you know, folks in, the, in this church as, as well have heard them cry out. And they've, said, um, and they've said, come and help us. And this is the moment when God starts to say, okay, warmer, warmer, you're moving in the right way. So we've moved from uh, Antarctica, which is super cold, over to uh, Troas, over to maybe the island of Samothrace. Um, So we're, we're not hot, but we are getting water, warmer. So let me ask you this. What is the thing that keeps you awake at night? What is uh, the burden that God has granted you? What is the thing that, against all odds, you're thinking about and you're praying about and you're wondering about? What do you have a burden for? Might this be a vision from God intended to stir you to action? And so Paul and his friends respond, as we see in verse 11, from Troas, we put out to sea in Sail Street for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled on to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of, of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. So this is, this is the large map. Now let's zoom, zoom in a bit to see what's going on. So they were here, here's the island and they've now gone over to Macedonia, and they've made landfall in Neapolis. And what this shows us, and I love it, is that from, except for that first vision, God is not giving them step-by-step instructions. Rather, uh, so rather than Simon says, now we see that this is a game of hot and cold. And as they take steps of faith towards where God is leading them, things start to warm up in their lives. And so, like I said, from the port city of Troas, they sailed onto Samothrace, which is a Greek island, and then they make landfall at Neapolis. So they're now in Macedonia. Okay, this is where the guy in the dream was from, but the journey's not over. So they go on to Philippi, which is the leading city in that, in that region. It's a city that's named after Philip II of Macedon, who is Alexander the Great's father. Now, there's nothing in the text that tells us that God told them to move on to Philippi. After all, they'd arrived in Macedonia. That was all that they knew. But it makes sense. 
because it's the leading city of the area. And so in our passage today, what we see is that following God is a mixture of trying and failing at the start, of, of receiving a burden that grabs our hearts, and then now simply using our common sense. And notice that Paul and his crew aren't in a big rush. They aren't knocking on every door going, are you why we came to Macedonia? Are you why we came to Macedonia? Are you why, they, are you why we came to Macedonia? They're willing to wait on God because verse 12 tells us, oh, here it is, and we stayed there in Philippi for several days. Now, we don't know what they did during that time, that half a week or a week, however long it was, maybe they were praying, maybe, maybe they were getting to know the city, uh, maybe they were doing prayer walks, maybe, maybe they were sending out spiritual feelers, just trying to sense where the Spirit was leading them next. Okay, because we have to remember that hot and cold isn't a value judgment. When they were cold over in Phrygia and Galatia and Mysia and on the border, uh, their their, their heart was for God. They were looking for opportunities. They were just in the wrong room. But now Paul and his friends are officially warm. Not hot yet, but they're warm and they're getting warmer. Verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city. We went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart in response to Paul's message. Now, this is the moment. This is a moment where God is yelling down to Paul and he's saying, hot, Sahara Desert, you're exactly where I want you to be right now. Paul has done it through trial and error, through a burden from God, through prayer, and through common sense, Paul has arrived. Okay, but let's pause for a sec, because, uh, because um, leading up to this moment where Paul meets Lydia, who's primed for the gospel, something else happens, okay, after this Uh, journey of trial and error and visions and simply using common sense, we read this. On the Sabbath, we went out to the city gates, to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. Now, being out of town, as Paul and his friends used the knowledge that they got, perhaps from people they'd met or through general knowledge, that on the Sabbath day, which is a specific time, and outside the city gate of the river, a specific location, there was a good chance that they'd find someone to connect with because they expected to find a place of prayer there. They, they put two and two together. You know, so if this was a robot program, then it might say something like this, Sabbath plus outside the city gate plus river uh, equals... Um, a place of prayer probability 67%, right? It's, it's, it, it made sense that they would go there. And they, well, it sounded better when I wrote it in my manuscript. <laughs> and they were right. And so they started talking and they shared Jesus. It's great when you embarrass your, your daughter. And she's like, what the heck are you doing, dad? So they traveled, so, so remember this, they traveled a huge way, uh, expense to themselves, and the journey ended on a riverbank with a group of women, and one of these women was Lydia, uh, a dealer in purple cloth, meaning that she was a, 
a businesswoman, a successful businesswoman. And where was Lydia from? Okay, this is the point. Okay, I want you to listen to this. Where was Lydia from? Lydia was from Thyatira. And where was Thyatira? In the province of Asia. Now, might it be that God had had his eyes on Lydia the whole time and the very reason that the Spirit of God prevented Paul and his friends from going into the province of Asia was because Lydia, a citizen of Asia, was not actually in Asia. She was currently residing in Philippi in Europe. And if this is true, then it's totally mental that God moved Paul from a vibrant mission field to the city in Macedonia because that's where Lydia was. And Lydia was the first recorded convert in Europe. So with Cornelius' house that we heard about a couple of weeks ago was the Pentecost of the Gentiles, then the riverbank outside this city in Macedonia is the Pentecost of Europe. And so any of us who have any European ancestry, myself, Sharon, and a bunch of us, if any of you have European ancestry, I wonder if you traced it back and traced it back and traced it back, would it end up with Lydia? Verse 15, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she She persuaded us. So the whole saga ends in Lydia's house. Okay, now, I don't want to give too many spoilers here, but next week I'm preaching on the next part of Acts 16, which is this amazing supernatural jailbreak, including singing songs and hymns and an earthquake uh, and a jailer who nearly committed suicide and him, him being saved. So it's a powerful moment. Anyway, after this incredible moment, Paul and Silas are released by the authorities. And where do they go after that? They go to Lydia's house, where her and her household reside, the ones who were baptized by Paul in this verse, in verse 15. And then later on in the Bible, we have a letter written to the church at Philippi. It's called the letter letter to the Philippians, written in about AD 62, which is maybe 10 years after this moment on the riverbank. So Paul arrived in Philippi. There was no church. There was just a group of women seeking God at the riverbank outside the city. But 10 years later, there is a church, enough of a church for Paul to write a letter to. So could it be that this church exists because of Lydia and from this beachhead in Macedonia, the kingdom of Jesus launches into Europe and it all starts from Lydia's household. Paul and his friends, remember, they were cold. They were in Antarctica, but God kept calling them warmer and warmer and hotter and hotter until this businesswoman, Lydia, could hear the gospel and be part of a church plant that opened up Europe to the gospel. And it started in her home. Okay, so let's try to bring it home. When life feels like a game of hot and cold, how do you determine God's will for your life or for your next step? Well, in our passage today, we see it's a mixture of trying and failing, verses 6 to 8, an actual vision from God, verses 9 and 10, intuition, verse 9, practical effort and finance, verse 11 and 12, common sense, verse 13, obedience, verse 13, and human persuasion, verse 15. 
So I think we can all agree that Paul was trying his best back in verse 6 through 8 as he traveled through Phrygia and Galatia uh, as the Holy Spirit prevented him from getting uh, into Asia and then to Mysia uh, and then on to Troas. But God was yelling cold time after time after time. So friends, when we're facing roadblock after roadblock, how do we actually determine God's will? How do we move from Antarctica to cold to warm to hot to the Sahara Desert of God's plan for us? Well, it's got to start with hearing from God himself, right? I think that's probably where it has to start, just like God heard from Paul in the vision. And I think that one of the biggest hindrances we face in our, in our ability to hear God is fear. I'm glad that Paul could hear God's voice of guidance over his fear. I'm, um, and, uh, but he didn't naturally just have this calmness about him. That He obviously was led into a place where he could hear God over his fear. And how many times do we come into a time of prayer overwhelmed or anxious and then we feel like we're not hearing from God at all. Hands up if you've ever done that. You're anxious, you're overwhelmed, you try to pray, and God seems to be saying nothing. And so we leave feeling the same way as we came in. This is not the way our walk with Jesus is supposed to be. It's not how it's supposed to be. In fact, when writing to the church that Lydia helped plant, Paul said this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul here is actually giving us very practical advice. This isn't a super spiritual verse. This is practical advice. He's saying, if you change your focus, then you will encounter the God of peace. When we change our focus onto Jesus, we cannot help but be filled with peace and with hope and with confidence, even in the darkest circumstance. So over these next few minutes, as we wrap up our time Together, we're going to look at a practical tool that I've learned from Church Renewal that will help each of you do just that. This tool can be used in any situation to help us release ourselves from fear and anxiety and stress and reconnect us to the Lord to make sure we're living by faith and not by fear because it's in that context that we can start to hear from God. And here is the word that will help us. All of you who are here today, you uh, have a little you know, you know, a little piece of card, and the word is this, it's star. And the S in star stands for stop. And stop means stop. It means don't fix the problem or the person or the situation. It's easy to come into prayer going, God, this has to change. No, stop. Don't fix anything. Science shows us that when a person is tired or overwhelmed, their ability to use their cingulate and prefrontal cortex is significantly reduced. In other words, when you're anxious, your ability to make good choices or to think creatively or to connect relationally with others or with God or or to empathize or to make wise choices, they're all severely limited when you are tired. Have you ever experienced a time like this where you just don't 
care because you're so exhausted. That's why the first step is to stop. Not everything has to be fixed right now. Sometimes we're so fixated on fixing things that, uh, that we end up trying to control a person or a situation. And so if, if you're a child of God this morning, let me speak to you. You don't want to miss out on whatever God is trying to do in your situation. And just like Paul, maybe God has a different solution than fruitlessly knocking on endlessly closed doors. But we won't hear it if we don't stop. And so a verse for us to, to think about when we're stopping is be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. The next word is take. In other words, take a breather and calm down. Notice we're not rushing anywhere, right? We've stopped. We're not fixing anything. And now we're taking a breather. We're calming down. You know, if you were to go to the gym and try to lift a 15-pound weight, it probably wouldn't feel very heavy. It, would, it might even feel like you could lift that weight forever. But if you have a 15-pound weight strapped to your hands, eventually those 15-pound weights would feel like 30 pounds and 50 pounds and so on. Your arms would be so tired from being under constant strain that not only would you not be getting stronger, but you would lose the strength you previously had. And we do this, right? We keep ourselves super busy, knocking on doors, trying this, trying to solve whatever problem we have, and then we miss out on the times of quiet and stillness with the Lord. And in our culture that rewards our busyness, we get burnt out because no one is telling us to take a breather. So in moments of anxiety, whether in a stressful situation, dealing with a conflict, feeling overwhelmed or worried about the future, seeking what God wants you to do with your life, you can practice stillness by literally taking a few minutes to be still, relaxing your body and breathing deeply. This is often enough to calm your nervous system. And this isn't strange. This isn't uh, wacky pseudoscience. This is how God has made you. The A in star means appreciate and connect to Jesus. The Bible says that uh, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Hallelujah for that verse. So when we stop and we calm down, and when we start focusing on Jesus and what he has done for us, we will notice a shift, especially as you focus on the things that you're thankful for and why they are meaningful to you. You'll, you'll, you will actually find that your overwhelm starts to go away and your heart begins to warm up. Your thoughts are clearer. And from this place, prayer and hearing from God seem to flow much easier. Once you've entered God's presence through praise or appreciation, we are then able to hear from him and receive his leading for our current situations. Remember that science shows us that being tired and overwhelmed can cause the cortex um, levels of your brain to reduce in their capacity to function. But science also shows us that focusing on what you're thankful for starts these same areas of, brain, of your brain to start functioning again. So 
you will actually function better in all areas of life as you stop, as you take a breath, and as you appreciate. Finally, respond. Once you've uh, reconnected to the heart of God and his, his peace, you can now receive his direction for your life. And in that moment, you expand in faith and in love and in obedience. In some situations, this may be mean forgiving and letting go. In other circumstances, this may mean that you're now ready to have that confrontation that you've been avoiding for months or years. Or perhaps it's simply choosing to trust in the Lord. So whatever direction you receive from Jesus, you, are, you, you now have peace and you're ready to respond with a loving heart. And this is how the Holy Spirit can lead you from cold to hot, from the Antarctica of frustration to the Sahara desert, desert of a God encounter. And like I said, I know that Lydia was grateful that Paul listened to Jesus and Macedonia was grateful, and Europe was grateful. And I'm glad that God invites us not to a game of Simon Says where everything is laid out perfectly, but instead to play hot and cold with him, listening to what the Spirit says as we get warmer and warmer and warmer and eventually hot. So as we close up this time this morning, instead, maybe we will get to a worship song, I don't know. But uh, what I want us to do this morning is something different. And I want us to practice this star exercise right where we are to allow the spirit of Jesus to be our guiding star. And, and like I said, you, you, you should all have a handout if you're here in person. It should look something like this, okay? And uh, so, and... You know, if you're at home joining us, then please feel free to practice this as well. Uh, I will guide you through this. So first thing to do is to think of a situation and feel free to close your eyes or not as you, as you want. But think of a situation over which you have no control, which is causing you stress or anxiety or worry or frustration. It just feels like it's a closed door after closed door. Let's, let's, let's take 15 seconds and just think of that situation over which you have no control. Okay, now that you have that situation in your mind, your natural tendency is to start problem solving. But this morning, we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to stop. We're going to give your singular and prefrontal cortex a much-needed rest. Psalm 37 verse 7 says this, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. So let's have a few moments. Let's have 60 seconds of actually being still, not stopping, not thinking, not planning, not, not, not even talking, just stopping.
Now we're going to take a breather. We're going to calm down. Because those 15-pound weights that you've been carrying are getting heavier and heavier, and you're losing strength. So in the presence of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, simply put the weight down. It might help you to open your hands as a sign of release. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So as we open our hands as a symbol of release, as we put down those 15-pound weights, let's take a breather. Let's calm down. those parts of your brain that get overworked by fear and anxiety are now calmed down. This is where we start to refocus our minds, our brains, and our hearts simply by telling Jesus what we appreciate about him. So over the next minute, simply bring to mind something good about God that you love and appreciate. Maybe it's a short verse. Maybe it's a characteristic of his Maybe you're simply appreciating the peace that only he can bring. And if nothing comes to mind, don't stress about it because then you're defeating the point of the exercise. Instead, you can simply say, I am yours. Thank you. You can just whisper that, I am yours. Thank you. Let's take 60 seconds. We will sing a last song. So as the worship team comes up, let's, uh, let's, let's keep this, this um, attitude of quiet and peace as we respond to Jesus. Maybe it's something that he's called you to let go of, to release to him. 
Maybe he's calling you to forgive someone or to confront someone or to simply choose to trust him. And so once again, in this attitude of peace and quiet, simply respond to the, to the Jesus who is here, who is ministering to you even now. Let's have a 30-second pause as we respond to what uh, we feel that Jesus is saying to us. Well, I hope this exercise has given you some tools to create some space to once again hear the voice of Jesus when it's so easy to become overwhelmed with the noise of anxiety and worry.